0: I want to introduce you to the attitude fail button. Here it is. Um, Pop it there. Have you ever done stuff or said stuff or decided something for totally the wrong motive? Everybody should be putting their hands up now but it doesn't matter. Um, uh, What you say or do or decide might look good but deep down There's stuff going on that ain't very pretty at all. Let me suggest a couple of examples from my own experience. You ask a question to a group, but you already know the answer and you just want to look good. Bad attitude. Um, You're super kind to a small child um, and spend time playing with them because a a girl that you fancy is over the other side of the room watching. Terrible attitude. Um, you uh, decide to go to church because you don't want anyone to uh, know that you're struggling and you know that if you don't go to church, someone will ask you and have to tell them. That's not the best of reasons. Uh, This evening, on the back of our youth weekend away, i like us to have a think about a special attitude. It's an attitude that is... supposed to be the deep down driver of anyone who's trying to live trusting in Jesus. I'm a a visiting speaker. I have no idea where most of you are at with Jesus. Spent 48 hours with the young people and I could take a guess at some of them that I've talked to. Uh, I've known Scott for a little while. Known Dave for a long time. Known Andy for even longer. Um, And I could probably make a more accurate guess with them. But wherever you're at This evening, with this extraordinary historical figure, I'm hoping that tonight will make us all think and uh, we'll have our hearts warmed by Jesus. I'm hoping it will help us finish the weekend with real hope and purpose, which, if you were on the weekend, you'll realize on Friday night that's where we started. We were looking for where real hope was. So I'm going to pray too now that God will be working um, and that He will. Uh, speak to us in the next few minutes so let me pray. Heavenly Father whoever we are uh, whatever weeks we've had and wherever we're at with you at the moment speak to us this evening. Amen. Amen. Now we have had a great week in the book of 1 Peter. Um, It's a, a book that's written to a bunch of geographically scattered and up against it Christians who need some encouragement. That's something that I hope has happened already for some of the young people at your church. Um, We've seen that Christians have been given a very special gift. A fresh start, a fantastic hope, a forever future and a fearless faith. faith. Um, It's an amazingly undeserved gift but it's not a cheap one uh, because this gift was very costly to Jesus who died but he was happy to pay that price because he loves us so much. And in accepting this gift, it means that we join a whole load of other folk, brothers and sisters who are a special people. And you'll have heard some of the young people alluding to this, but there are people who together are babies desperate to grow. Bricks, chosen and precious and part of something special, are people who are belonging to God. And with a special job to do, to worship, In non-religious terms, that just basically means telling and showing God and everyone else who's watching how good he is in actions and words and the whole of life. Uh, And to witness living such good lives that even people who don't like Christians very much begin to wonder, ooh, I I might need to think about Jesus a little bit. Maybe that's some of you here this evening. I wonder though if you're a little bit like me. And I'm guessing some of you are. I'm a special gift receiver who loves being one of God's people with a job to do in all the places that Peter goes on to mention in chapters 2 and 3 of his book. Uh, At work, at home, with family, friends and colleagues and even with enemies. But I find that my attitude fail button is often alerting me to problems. Or or maybe uh, you're a person for whom the jury is still out on Jesus, and you've spotted the less honest and admirable motivations of some Christians. It does happen, you know. Even Christians aren't perfect. They especially need reminders sometimes, which is why we get together in church, actually. Uh, Christians who You know, they're a little bit smug about their special gift and and they they think they're a little bit better than everybody else. Not a good attitude. Or uh, what about doing stuff only because you're scared of what God might do if you don't do it? Bad motive. Uh, And then there's the thought process that often goes through my mind which bases choices on worries about what other people might think about me. I need to impress him or I'm fearful of what she might do. Hardly the best of reasons for doing stuff. Having the right motivation for what you're doing really does make a difference. Um, think of playing a team sport for yourself only or, or buying a present to make yourself look good. It, it almost spoils the whole point of the thing, doesn't it? I, you know, it's crazy. Which brings us to the place we're going to land in 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 11. So if you want to find that in your Bibles... Um, in some ways, this bit of 1 Peter could have been the end of the letter. It isn't, but I reckon we get from these five verses that we're about to look at an attitude reminder for Jesus followers who struggle with mixed motives. Uh, and something that will help those of you who are watching Christians to see, yeah, the Christians do get it wrong, but there's a really good Bible basis for the motives and choosing wisely and well and living totally for God. Um, Let's have a listen. Um, Where's Noah gone? Oh, yeah, there he is. Come come and read to us, Noah. Thanks. Um, So it's just... uh, Well, it's on the screen. There you go. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply To him, be the power, to, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Tears. Thanks very much. The end of all things is near. It's quite a cheerful way to start reading that, isn't it? Um, our family uh, went to watch Oppenheimer at the cinema on a very rainy day in the Lake District. And the end of all things is considered in uh, that movie as a super scary consequence of detonating an atomic bomb, you know, you press the button, boom, the earth's atmosphere sets alight and we all fry. What Peter's talking about is something very different when he talks about the end of all things. Think of a day when justice is done everywhere, where fairness rules, where the world is sorted out and God puts everything right. The end of all things that Peter is talking about is something like that, something to really look forward to. The start of a splendid new world. The world that all of us want, I think, when we really put our minds to it. And best of all, it's a world where we'll be living alongside and face to face with the person who loves us the most, more than we can ever imagine. So special attitude number one is live now in the light of that day. And so Peter says in verse 7, Be alert and sober-minded. When we think of sober, uh, we think of someone who's uh, the opposite of drunk, don't we? Um, Which is a wise thing to consider, you know, stay sober, I would. Um, But in Peter's letter, when he says sober, which he says three times in five chapters, so he's serious, he's saying, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. You know, we're actually quite good at doing that, aren't we? Um, It's worth admitting that we've all got blind spots and we need them pointing out, often by other people, but also by God too. He means don't kid yourself, Uh, and here particularly don't fool yourself about the end of all things. For instance, you could choose to live for today, just for today. Grab the opportunities. If it feels good, do it, do it now. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Bad motive. Uh, You could just not bother about God, pretend that he's not there. Have little concern for others. Don't worry about any consequences. Uh, What you do today, it's not going to make a difference tomorrow, is it? Very poor attitude. Instead, Jesus once talked in Luke 12 of faithful, watchful servants. I don't know whether they actually looked like that, but that was the only picture I could find on Google. Um, uh, They're dressed, ready for service, with their lamps burning, waiting eagerly for the day when their beloved boss comes back again to be with them. Be alert, sober, don't be hoodwinked. The end is definitely coming. God will judge and put everything right one day, so make sure that you're ready and prepared and waiting and living, knowing that that day will arrive. And it's interesting to note that this sort of clear-minded readiness in the light of the end of all things, works itself out in prayer. Verse 7, be sober, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. That just seems a little bit weird, that, doesn't it? Uh, But think about it. If you um, have got a Weight Watchers weigh-in coming up, well, you eat differently that week, don't you? Or if you're moving house at the weekend, well, you start packing during the week. If the forecast says rain, you go, unless you're a teenager, you go with a brolly and a raincoat. In the same way, if you're looking forward in a right way to the end of all things, if you're trusting in that day of justice and repair, if you're excited about meeting Jesus face to face, then you're definitely going to want to take every opportunity to chat to him now, aren't you? And pray about everything. Don't leave stuff out. Uh, We're talking joys and shame. We're talking... Desires. We're talking about the help that you need, the the needs that you have, the patience that you might have to wait, etc., etc. The lot. Jesus likes nothing better than for us to relate to him because that's what we're going to be doing forever when the end of all things comes. So start doing it now. Special attitude number one. Don't forget what's coming. Live now in the light of the end of all things and keep talking to Jesus. The second attitude we get in verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. You know, the deeply word there is about intensity and endurance. So it's 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 in here um, and goes on forever. He says, "Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins." Loving others is a repeated theme in. One Peter. It's in every single chapter. I've just put the verses up there if you ever want to look them up. Um, uh, And it's a letter that is to scattered and struggling Christians. Love in every chapter to a letter for struggling and scattered Christians. I guess that just goes to show that love is not an attitude that we can wriggle out of when things get tough. You could think to yourself, I'm tired. I'm poorly, so I'll not bother bearing with people today. Not the best attitude. Or you could uh, know, or you know, that, so you know those times where you're, um, you give up loving because rubbish stuff is coming at you. You know, you've had a really hard week or something like that. Um, circumstances that might excuse less empathy or care or tolerance than usual. No, that's not how Jesus works. And love is this really weird thing, isn't it? I wonder if you've noticed, like me, that as you get to know people, that you think you're going to like quite a lot, spouses, fiancés, family, friends. At first, they can't do much wrong. And, And then in time, you start to see their bad bits. It's weird, isn't it? You think you're going to love them, but actually you realise they've got bad bits. They're messy or they don't shower very much. Um, They're into weird stuff like train spotting or egg cup collecting or something like that. Or they've got a different political um, sort of head on than you have. Uh, And also, you notice how people you like sometimes just don't listen or understand or empathise with your top priority thoughts and feelings, if you see what I mean. Those differences or bad bits or sin even, they can make it super easy to hold grudges or uh, bring up old wrongs or withhold forgiveness. Here's the thing though. Jesus loved you. He, he, He loves you loads and he sees all the bad bits, every single one of them, as well as those deep down lurking things that nobody else knows about. Jesus sees it all and yet... He's patient, he's kind, he's gracious, and he still loves us. And he loves us deeply with an intensity that goes on forever. I I think that's an example and an experience that's hard to ignore. I became a Christian when I was um, 17, 18 after I followed a pretty girl to church who I fancied. um, uh, There were no miracles or writing in the sky or anything like that. It was all quite ordinary. I just had this feeling as I got to know this community of special people I'd met that there was, yeah, I just had a feeling basically. Didn't quite know what it was. And then there was this growing logic that what is in the Bible began to explain the world and me and all my rubbish better than anything else I've come across anyway. And I can picture distinctly sitting in my bed with a little booklet called Journey Into Life. Some of you may remember it. Um, And I prayed the prayer, praying to God to rescue me through Jesus and help me to live for him instead of myself. And then I went to sleep. Um, Pretty normal, really. Except one thing changed overnight. I'd always been someone as a teenager who saw so red really quickly when someone upset me um, I, I got angry fast if somebody dissed me and hated people that I didn't like with a vengeance but after doing real personal business with Jesus and feeling how much he loved me deeply even with all my faults the next day I went to school and I looked at my arch enemy John Harding I'm sorry if he's a relative um, and, and I loved him I loved him Not because he was lovely, he definitely wasn't. He was nasty and horrid and he was a bit of a bully. But because that's how Jesus had loved me. Jesus' deep love for us means we can love and move towards fellow sinful human beings who who, who, who aren't very lovable sometimes. Just like we're not. Like Jesus did for us, we can turn away from being selfish. We can get over ourselves, as a friend of mine often says. Uh, and generously forgive people's bad bits. Love covers a multitude of sins. Special, special attitude number two, love deeply. Now, if, if loving deeply is the above all attitude, Peter suggests a couple of ways in which that might work out in practice. I think there are a lot more, lots more ways, uh, but both of these ways have some top tips on attitude. Verse nine, be hospitable. How? Without grumbling. Verse 10, use your God-given gifts. How? To serve others as faithful stewards. Do you think that if Jesus invited you round to his house and you stayed for the week and you left a mess in your room, that he'd wave goodbye to you and say under his breath as you left, well, the ungrateful so-and-so, he's not coming back again. Nope, that's grumbling. Uh, Jesus might kindly, in love, point out the mess, but he definitely wouldn't grumble. And so we shouldn't grumble at others, even if they're less than grateful. Love covered a multitude of sins. Um, or imagine the day uh, when Jesus is using all his gifts. Let's face it, God gave him quite a few. He's, he, he's in the morning healed a good number of people. The afternoon, he's preached three sermons. Uh, late into the evening, he's cast out some demons, and then he's got a Q&A with the disciples, after which they all stand up. Yes, well done, Jesus. And Jesus gets up and pulls a few poses. Yes, check that. Whoa, look at me. Jesus would never do that. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. Your gifts are God's grace to you and to others And you need to be faithful to him with them. God doesn't give us gifts so we can big ourselves up. Dave shouldn't teach you every week in order for people to praise him on the way out. Scott shouldn't run youth weekends and events to make a name for himself so he can write a book one day. If I was here this weekend uh, doing what I've been doing in order to just make a bit of extra cash on the side, that's not good. They're all attitude fails. Whether it's preaching or youth work or administration or music or sport or academia or medical learning and ability or physical work or teaching, etc, etc. All are only gifts. They're gifts from God. Not just personal talents to make you famous, but delegated to help you faithfully do his work and love other people well don't forget what's coming, love deeply as faithful stewards without grumbling, and finally, special attitude number three, always give the glory to God. Maybe thinking about Peter himself would be a good place to start with this one. Peter's got quite a resume, if you think about it, in the Bible. Um, He's got a real list of achievements. He was one of Jesus' inner circle of three. Um, He was renamed The Rock with Dwayne Johnson about that has some quite sort of conjures up some pretty impressive things doesn't it but Jesus said that Peter would be the one on whom he would build the church he walked on water he saw visions he he preached the first ever Christian sermon he once healed a lame man and probably did lots of other miracles too Peter did lots if anyone could go home at the end of the day and pat himself on the back and say well done Peter could but he doesn't And in not doing so, he sets us a brilliant, special attitude example. Verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I wonder, are you feeling satisfied um, that you argued well in an evangelistic uh, discussion recently? Not the best attitude. Or are you congratulating yourself for a job well done as you've helped someone with their homework or done a neighbour a favour? No, Peter wouldn't think like that. Instead, Peter says, when it comes to evangelism, think like this. I'm just so glad that I've been able to speak to others all about God. And what he's said and done. What a privilege. Or or when it comes to helping somebody else think, it's just amazing that God has given me gifts and a body to help serve others and let them see how good God is. Anything we ever do or say, any gifts or power that we've got, it all comes from him in the first place. After all, everything we have comes from God. Everything is just delegated for a little while. From the very next breath you've got, For the most amazing talent that God's given you. It's all from God. And we should use it to make God famous, not us. Special attitude number three. Always give the glory to God. So, uh, in conclusion. If you're wanting or considering life following Jesus. Peter suggests that we should keep a check on our attitude. Because there's stuff that won't work. Stuff like just trying harder. Or wanting to look good. Or because you're scared that God's going to punish you in some way. Or um, by attempting to do things that other people want and the way they want you to do it. Instead, Peter suggests, it's all about the golden buzzer. Here it is. Here uh, it is. Once you know and love Jesus and know about the love that he has for you, uh, he literally love you to death to give you a special gift, uh, to make you a special people and give you a special job as well as hope and purpose. And um, Once you know his deep love, helping you love others deeply until the end of all things when he's coming back to straighten everything, everything else out, then, uh, then the attitude button can go away. it's a button that should uh, disappear because you're not going to need it anymore and the golden button comes out. You realise that Jesus has done it all. Life was always about Jesus and for Jesus Uh, and life was only meant to be lived with Jesus and in his strength. So did you think this golden buzzer was for you? No, it's not. Uh, As we get our special attitude back on track, we discover that Jesus is the only person whoever deserves the golden buzzer. Verse 11, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for the stuff we've learned this weekend as a youth group uh, about being special. about the gift you've given us through Christ, about the people uh, that we are, about the job you've given us to do. But Lord, in all those things, we want to be folk who do it with the right motives. Thank you that you've spoken to us about those tonight. Pray, Lord, we'd be able to know your love and care and the way in which you just uh, adore us in a way that enables us to do the same for others. In your name, amen. invite the band back up we're going to we're going to sing